And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. It's time for two stars. This is the weekly Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, more big Royals news as Reading come to the city ground. We'll get the lowdown on Norwich, find out what's happening with Forest shirt sponsors and ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Two Stars. Hello, listener. Matt Davis-Adams here. I'm joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor, playing through the pain this week. Paul, we appreciate your company. <laughs> <laughs> a pastelite fitness test we're all right <laughs> and under under covid test so everything's good <laughs> classic 2020 slash 21 uh also <laughs> with us captain charisma himself nick miller hi nick ah now i got captain i think you referred to me as captain charisma on uh the tally football league show the other day as well um it, it, i'm gonna assume that this is not a wrestling one and you're just dazzled by my charm yeah you assume that and um don't look up the wrestler Christian slash Christian Cage uh, and his nickname. Okay. You won't be disappointed. Right. <laughs> Great. All right. There's going to be a lot of kind of downer vibes on this episode, I'm afraid. So I thought we'd kick off with something lighthearted. Forrester playing Redding, whose nickname is the Royals. So obviously I have to ask you for Forest players who sound like royalty. Paul, you're, you're grinning confidently. So I'm going to let you give us yours first. I only spent two minutes on this, but I managed to find uh, a, a former footballer that actually comes up with eight kings in one. Okay. <laughs> wow. Mm. It's going to take some big Christian, Christian Edwards. Right. Okay. Very good. Eight king Edwards. Yeah, yes. yeah, no. yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, had, we had a lord in Nicholas Bentner. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Not, not Almost regal, but not quite. <laughs> uh Kingsley Black. Mm, yeah, yeah, good. I should have got. I one. know that's a predictable one, and Paul. Uh, and I, I didn't do very well on this. I only spent about two minutes on it, to be honest. Uh, Gary Charles as as a once away. Acceptable. Yeah, uh, I've got some doozies up my sleeve, but Nick, I'm going to let you go next. Uh, yeah, I had I, mean, I had Christian Edwards the Confessor as well. So <laughs> some other thing. Um, I, I was struggling with this one a little bit as well. I've got some quite some slightly esoteric ones. I, I found a, a Bulgarian princess called Rosario Nadal. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Um, and uh, in India, Roy is a variant on the name Rai, which means king. So obviously we have uh, Brian Roy, Roy Keane, and of course, as we all know, Roy Patrick, who made 57 appearances for us between 1959 and 1961. Yeah, some good ones in there as well, I seem to remember. Um and uh, oh, oh, just just finally, of course, we also have Chris Cowan, who is the prince of my Yes, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I knew you'd have to get that oh. one. And here's the ones that I came up with. Marlon King, the obvious one, not great. Uh, Captain David Phillips, as in Captain Mark Phillips, who apparently is or was married to Princess Anne. Um, Princess Diallo, like Princess Diana, but with Abdullah Diallo. Uh, Carl Jen Kingson. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh-huh. Viscount Hoydonk. 
Uh, and the final oh, one, which I mean, honestly, I'm so proud of this. If I get the same reaction from Nick as I've had to these last ones, I'll be very upset. Loic MB, Sophie Countess of Wessex. <laughs> oh my days! <laughs> you redeem. You, that, that, there was a, a succession of absolute clunkers, but you redeem, redeem yourself right at the end. There. All right, let's move on from this swiftly and have a brief debrief on the Watford defeat. I only want to spend a couple of minutes on the Watford game as it was A, Grim and B, ages ago. Here's a question from Simon that's come in via Twitter. What did you make of the players' reactions after the loss at Watford? It looked like the end of a training game with plenty of smiles and laughs. An effect of the pandemic turning all games into friendlies or a concerning lack of passion and fight from some? Uh, Paul, presumably this was the, the post-match warm down there. We did hear a couple of reports of this that there was a lot of laughing and joking going on. Is, is that a big issue? You kind of caught me out with this one a little bit because it wasn't, it wasn't something that stood out for me at the time uh maybe this is why after the game when we spoke to joe worrell he was in really strident bullish mood and was sort of offering not a warning to his teammates but he was very stark in his 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 phrasing and how he talked about how players needed to be braver how bravery wasn't just making a tackle or putting your head on the line but you know being willing to make mistakes and he used the example of ryan yates being who, who let's be honest had a very poor game but but kept trying to make things happen, kept wanting the ball, kept giving it away, but he, he kept wanting it again and wanting to do things and do things right. And it, Joe Worrell was talking about how the forwards need to have that same mentality and every player on the pitch needs to be willing to make mistakes and to put their uh, reputation on the line, if you like, and, and, and just be a bit more gung-ho and a bit more bold in, in, in the way that they play. He was clearly not a very happy camper Joe and, and and maybe you know that that was part of it maybe he wanted to deliver a bit of a, a kick up the backside to his teammates because he's not he's not generally shy about that sort of thing but uh, I, I didn't honestly get the sense that you know I, I saw some of the players getting on the coach afterwards and they they, they didn't look like they were off for a coach party on the way home they all looked pretty down and I, I, I do think they realised the seriousness of the situation they're in it's a tough one, you know. If if they were happy and joking after the game, I'd I'd be a little bit surprised, but I, I wouldn't equally read too much into it because I get the, I get the sense from talking to the players that they they do seem to be very aware of of the situation they're in and the need to rectify it. Yeah, there's some some quotes in uh, Paul's post Watford piece for the Athletic from Joe Worrell. One that stood out to me: "You can talk about the attacking players we have and the quality they possess, but how many goals have they scored this season?" And as Paul mentioned, he talked about desire and, and sort of matching Ryan Yates in that. Nick, it's not the first time this season that Joe Worrell has been critical of his teammates. There, there was that quote earlier in the season, wasn't there? About well, we're not we're teammates, but we're not friends. We don't know each other. We don't get on. It's a dangerous thing to keep doing this, surely, isn't it? We always give managers stick when they criticise their players. It's an odd thing for, for one of the players to do themselves, as much as we, we love Joe Worrell and his, and his passion for Forrest. The slightly worrying thing I found about this one is is not cut quite so much that he was saying, you know, the, the, there are some players who aren't showing enough, you know, desire or whatever it is, but that he was, he wasn't quite saying Glenn Murray didn't play well enough or, you know, Anthony Narcott was useless. And incidentally, Anthony Narcott was notably useless against Watford. But he was identifying, uh, he almost singling out not a, 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 a group of identifiable players. And 
and that's why I think it's slightly dangerous in that you, you, you can, I think it's fine to say, you know, we as a team aren't doing enough or we as, you know, a, a defensive unit or something like that, where he is kind of, there is some element of self-criticism in there, but it's the sort of finger pointing that is slightly tricky, which, you know, he, he will obviously be able to judge the delicate, sort of psychology of the dressing room much more than we will be able to. But it, 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 it there is the potential for creating a bit more of a divide there because it, it, it's almost, you know, it's almost as if he's saying, well, we're doing our job, but you useless sods up front aren't, and this is why we're in the position we are. Maybe that kind of thing is fine and sort of healthy to do within the dressing room, but it's when you start saying that, that kind of thing in public that, that people might get slightly resentful of it. So again, he will know about the you know intricacies of the um, dressing room more than we will. But I, I, I that was the the, the thing that sort of I, I was slightly taken aback by that it was it sort of almost creating a bit of a divide in the team. You could argue, to be fair, that the, the defense probably are doing the job. They, they concede you know, a very small number of goals. And I think he's probably speaking from a position of strength personally, because he, he does do his job. And he, he was probably one of the few players that came out of the game against Watford with any credit. And he, he did do exactly what he was talking about. He gave the ball away a few times, but kept wanting it and kept trying to make it happen. And he even embarked on a, a Wes Morgan style run from one end of the pitch to the other at one point, sort of rampaged his way halfway down the pitch and then uh, had a truly terrible shot from the edge of the box that, that that he barely even made contact with. But at least he was he was trying to make it happen. I, I think if he wasn't doing it and if the defence weren't performing and if he wasn't performing himself, then he might be leaving himself vulnerable. But I think if he can stand there and say, look, I'm doing it. And he did say everybody had got to do it. He wasn't just talking about the forwards. He said it's a joint responsibility for everybody to start providing more goals. But I think if he wasn't performing and wasn't doing the doing the business himself, then he might be in a tricky position. But I think he can at least stand up and say, hey, look, I'm doing my bit. Then everybody else has got to try and do theirs as well. All right, that's enough on Watford. Let's look ahead to some more incredibly difficult fixtures. Reading and Norwich City are Forest's next two opponents then. Both visit the city ground between now and when we next week. The Royals are up first. They arrive on Saturday. We've been talking about Forest problems in front of goal. They've scored more than once in two of the last 12 games in all competitions. Uh, and they're coming up against a side who've kept 16 clean sheets in the championship this season. Uh, the signs aren't good there, for Paul. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh... I don't know. I mean, I think I don't want to give Forrest any get outs or any excuses because they were poor against Watford. And I don't want to labour that point too much. But I think more recently, we've seen more positive signs from them. And uh, I, I think what we saw on Saturday was Forrest coming up against one of the best teams in the division. And, and I'm sure we'll come on to that when we talk about Norwich. But again, I'd have similar fears there that they're just going to find a, a slight. Can you have a slight golfing class? I don't know if that is <laughs> a golfing class, maybe then rather than a slight one. Uh, but I don't get the feeling that will be the case uh, against Reading quite so much. I'd, I'd be pretty confident uh, that Forest will at least give them a very good game because they have been giving teams good games in 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 recent history. They've been in much better form, and you've started to see uh, a bit of identity that has been sort of. Uh, ingrained in in the side by Chris Hewton. It's taken a little bit of time, but we're starting to see perhaps the way that we can expect Forrest to play under him. And 
I've taken encouragement from that. There has been positive signs from that. They are, it's a very predictable thing to say. And I kind of almost feel like apologizing for it, but they've got three quarters of the game, right? They're, they're defensively solid. They're well organized. They don't give much away. They just need to find a way to score more goals. They create chances. They get good opportunities in front of goal. They get good crosses into the box. There was one moment against Watford uh, that, that kind of summed things up, really. Cyrus Christie bombed on. He put in a really good ball right across the face of goal. And all it needed was for somebody like Glenn Murray to gamble on getting past the last man and and, and getting into that position to tuck it away. And they, they would have scored. And it, it felt a bit strange because that's what Murray's dined out on for years. It was only one particular instant, but it feels like that's where Forrest are falling short. They're creating great chances like that, great opportunities, getting into the final third and just not quite finding the killer touch. And if they can address that and find a way to... Uh, you know, make more of their opportunities. I don't think they're too far away from being a successful team. It feels like the margins are very small to quote a former manager. Uh, and if, if they can, if they can just address that, I don't think they'll be too far away. And I, and because of that, I'm not too fearful of teams like Reading. Norwich are a different class. Watford are a different class. Reading, I think Forest can compete with them. I think they might be all right. It's good, Nick. They've had a full week's training without a midweek game. You'd think that shooting practice has been high up on the agenda. You'd, I mean, you'd hope so. Yes. Um, the the, the I, I think the, the the problem with Reading this season is that a lot of people haven't thought of them as that uh, as a you know within the class of Watford and Norwich. They have kind of defied logic on. pretty much from the start there was that ludicrous run at the start of the season where they won I think it was they won seven of their first eight games while also having taken the fewest shots in the championship which was just stupid Um, and they have sort of they have further gone on to kind of defy expectations by continuing not obviously not quite that form but they've continued good enough form to um, at the time of recording, and we'd be fifth in in the table. Uh, quite uh, so many sort of you know dangerous players in their in their team that you know. Forest, uh, as we've discussed, Forest defence has been kind of much more stable. So you, you'd be confident about um, dealing with their attacking threat, but their defence is very solid as well, which um, is a concern <laughs> when coming up against Forest for all the reasons that we have discussed. Yeah, Forest haven't... Nil-nil <laughs> We take nil-nil. Forest have won one of the last seven games against Reading. That was at the City Ground back in August 1819. So, after the Royal Engagement, it's runaway leaders Norwich City coming to town. To give us the inside track on the Canaries, we're joined by the Athletics Norwich correspondent, Michael Bailey. Um, Michael, first of all, are you surprised how easy it's been? For Norwich on their return to the championship? Um, well, it, at the first half of it didn't feel very easy, to be honest. I mean, I have to be honest at this point that before a ball was kicked this season, I got I was on a couple of Norwich podcasts and was asked what my prediction would be for the year. And I, I, for the first time in 15 years doing the job, I was like, I, I think they'll win it <laughs> because I just thought I'd given them so much leeway last year, the way they got relegated they'd kept together most of their players. They seemed really secure and stable off the pitch. Uh, Everything felt good. And if they could get their head around their their situation, I figured that they would have the strength to to be as strong as anyone in a championship where lots of other clubs were dealing with some pretty major issues. So I think you you can't ignore, much like the way, um, you know, the pandemic affected Norwich's Norwich's Premier League campaign last season. I don't necessarily think they were as bad as they ended up. Um, I think it did kind of emphasise the fact that they 
would probably be in a better position than most of the championship this time around as well. So I think whether they would have been this good in a in a normal circumstance, I don't know. Having fans at Carrow Road every week would have probably made the hangover from last season a bit harder to get out of their system so quickly. But they have benefited as well from this the stability that they've kind of built around and, and made their trademark in a way. So fair play. I mean, they, they're doing it the right way. I think most people can see that. Last season, I mean, was it? It's very probably very reductive to say that they didn't sort of try to compete, um, but they certainly took the attitude of, okay, we're not going to take any kind of huge risks and, and bank the money. Was that a? Was that kind of frustrating? And, and b? Do you think that is a, a model that clubs of a similar size, such as perhaps Nottingham Forest, should kind of try and follow? I think what it requires is huge transparency. You have to get buy-in from as many people as possible around the club, including all the supporters. They have to know what you're doing. And you have to be aware that it's a year's worth of work, really. I think if you if you tried to do it, but there was real pressure from people inside the club over the manager's future, then already that puts you back. Because why have you not then invested as well to back him other than trying to build something more, more long-term? So I think Norwich have... Um, establish themselves as not having someone who can put any extra money in. So when they go up, they have the same amount of money as everyone else, but the other 19 clubs have, you know, owners who are putting in a lot of extra money. So Norwich don't have that. So uh, they're obviously wanting to do things that sustain the club longer term without asking for money from anyone. And I guess I was genuinely worried that they, if, if they didn't go up, then ag- again, which might not still happen, obviously, but if it didn't happen, then they, that would set them back hugely. They would use, they would lose a lot of the players and they'd have to sort of start again from scratch. And to be honest, the jury is still out on whether there's an actual long-term survival, whether long-term you can operate outside of having Premier League money if, if Norwich can't sustain themselves there or keep bouncing back and they can't recruit the players that they need to. So there's still a massive question mark over that. But even attempting what Norwich have done so far, you have to be open there will always be supporters who want more and who are frustrated at what's happening and let's be you know last season was horrendous the, I, I ended up just sort of looking at the sky when Norwich were playing those last games in the Premier League because and I was supposed to be working because it was just like what do you do with this this is crap you know this is they're so far off it but I think ultimately that's probably why I put a bit more pressure on them this year to to justify that that patience that they got from me and a lot of the supporters yeah. Hello, Albie. Uh, that's my little boy. He's very excited about how things are going as well. Yeah, so I think ultimately they rode that out, and but it but it takes a lot for any other club to reproduce that. To be honest, it, it, and, and for Forest, the, the fans would have to appreciate that that is a, a long term aim that could still go wrong. It is all easy said and done to recreate models like that, but I guess the one thing that uh, uh, Forest could learn from Norwich is uh, having patience with a manager, because obviously the in Daniel Farker's first season. There was, you know, it, it was maybe touch and go at various points whether he would actually stay, but they stuck with him and uh, and now here they are. Yeah, it was remarkable how there was really no discussion over Daniel Farker's future last season. I, I found that remarkable. Uh, obviously, again, it had taken a while to get to that point, but just no one really considered that he would he would leave or that he would be sacked. And I, I, I struggle to think of any club where that that would have would have happened certainly without the work they put in but it was interesting because Daniel Farker got asked that uh, a week or two back I think Thomas Frank said that you know the reason Orange have succeeded so much uh, is because they have that consistency and continuity but 
But even Daniel Farker said, you can't just have consistency and continuity for the sake of it. It has to be with the right person. So I think not only have, have Norwich, they've recruited their manager, their coach really well. He is a fantastic coach. He, his man management has, has been excellent. And to have got through the hangover of last season and turned it around like this, whilst managing the, the uh, speculation over possible departures of Emmy Buendia and Todd Campwell, when pe- some fans thought that he'd basically burnt his bridges and they he'd left them out early in the season, so there was no way for them to come back. The way he's managed that whole scenario and turned it around for, for the better, I think emphasises the fact that Norwich are not only stuck with a the manager, they've stuck with a head coach who, who genuinely has done what's kind of backed their feeling that he is a top, top-class coach with definitely the potential to manage at a far, far higher level than the Norwich. So kind of works two ways, I suppose you have to get it right and then you have to back it. And if one of those elements doesn't work, it does fall down. Yeah. And he was a bit glum at the start of the season, but he's definitely a happy Farker now. Um, final question, Tamu Puki, he's on 20 goals already. He's 30 years old. He's in that Cameron Jerome, Robert Earnshaw vortex for me. He's really good in the championship. He's probably not quite good enough for the Premier League. Norwich could raise a few quid, sell him to Forest in the summer. That would help us both. No? Yeah, yeah, I bet it would. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, would he would he work in a Chris Hewton team? I'd, I'd, that would be debatable. I think. I don't think he can hold the ball up well enough. And uh, if you start putting crosses in the air, you're, you're screwed. To be honest, because he doesn't really head the ball. <laughs> There's a bit of me that really wants to see Timo Pukki back in the Premier League because the first half, first third of the season, you know, he scored 11 goals last year in a team that only scored 25. He scored against all the big teams in the Premier League. There's a bit of me that thinks he can do it, but everything fell down around him, really, for the second half of the last season. And I remember writing a piece only three weeks into the season last year saying that they're too reliant on him already. You could just see it. And all the goals that were around him in the Championship disappeared. So maybe not next season, but the season after, you should have that discussion possibly. And I reckon he'd still have it. Don't worry. He'd still be good enough for the championship then. Don't worry. So I have to say, I do think Norwich would probably need to recruit another striker if they went up um, and probably three or four other positions. And just going back to maybe one of the earlier questions, I, I think Norwich will spend a bit more money this time around because they've corrected a few investment issues that they had um, two years ago. So they're not going to throw 50 million quid at it. They've already spent in the championship more like double what they spent going when they actually got promoted two years ago. So from that perspective, it, it should be a slightly different approach from Norwich. Great stuff, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. All the best for the rest of the season, just not Wednesday week. <laughs> Cheers guys. Likewise. Uh, the Reading game is at 3pm UK time this coming Saturday with the visit of Norwich to follow on Wednesday. Okay, next we're going to talk about Forest Shirt sponsors and the headlines they've attracted this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Football Index have been in the news of late. Uh, the company whose name is emblazoned on the front of Forest shirts this season hit the headlines after the value of users' portfolios crashed, leaving many who'd invested in the scheme facing huge financial losses. Uh, in very basic terms, Football Index is sold as a stock market for football players. Uh, Joey Durso has been investigating this for The Athletic. He joins us now. Joey, try and explain in, in layman's terms what football index is because it, it's really complicated. Yeah, I mean, it gets very complicated very quickly, but the overall idea is a fairly straightforward one. You buy shares in footballers. So, you know, you might buy a share in Lionel Messi, which would be worth lots of money. You might, you know, have a share in, no disrespect, the Forest third choice goalkeeper that's worth a bit less money. Um, and those shares can like rise and fall over time. Um, you can get some like dividends where, you know, if your player scores a goal or you get a clean sheet, you're a bit like fancy football, you get some points. Um, but people put lots of money into these shares and the, the platform's con- constantly sort of tinkering with how it worked. And on Friday, they said, look, we're having financial troubles. We're going to have to slash these dividends. So instead of getting 10p when your player scores a goal, you get 2p. And that obviously meant that the value of these shares plummeted. So people had these portfolios of shares with tens of thousands of pounds in that were then worth 10% of that and it's a pretty harrowing story because I spoke to people that have you know put their you know their house deposit was in there their, their life savings were in there people have taken out 20 grand bank loans they've lied to a high street bank saying they need the money for a house poured it into football index and lost it so it's, it's pretty dark stuff because people are having to explain to their friends and family that they've lost huge sums of money and obviously this um, company is a shirt sponsor of Nottingham Forest and QPR as well Actually, one of the more absurd parts of this whole fiasco, QPR, sorry to bring it up, but QPR beat Forest back in September and Football Index tweeted, the stage is set for the Index Classico. Um, and then QPR tweeted, Index reigning champions. Yeah, on April the 5th, I believe, is the the next Classico. And it'll be interesting to see whether either clubs have um, the company on their shirts. Because obviously, there's a lot of people out there, including many Forest fans, I presume probably far more likely than an average football fan because they've seen it so much, um, who may have lost money on this. And uh, yeah, so so th- there's a statement from the club, which is, we are aware and are actively monitoring recent media coverage concerning Football Index and are in dialogue with them over the matter. So, you know, maybe by the time people hear this, things might have changed, but for now they're monitoring things, they're looking into it. Joey, is there any sort of immediate prospect of the company collapsing, uh, which will obviously be... Um, a problem in far more important wider terms than just Forest, but we're on the uh, Forest podcast, so we're concerned about the, the, the impact that it might have on Forest as well. It's certainly possible. I mean, so what's happened is that these values have been slashed overnight and then people, you know, say you had £30,000 in it and it's gone to £3,000, you, you're then facing a dilemma. Do you pull it out at a massive loss or do you cling on and hope for it to recover? And there's quite a lot of people in the latter camp who are sort of, you know, desperate for things to go up and it's gone up a tiny bit from the sort of rock bottom a few days ago you know the more and more kind of bad news is coming out of this it's certainly possible there could be you know the gambling commission will never confirm whether they're investigating a company or not but if there were an investigation then the company could um, collapse but you know it's important to say that is not the case at the moment the company is still functioning but there's lots of people that have been massively screwed by what's happened in the last week but i i, I believe that you can get a football index shirt on the nottingham forest site for 10 pounds at the moment which is a uh, significantly cheaper than it was a week ago <laughs> it might be a collector's <laughs> item uh, at some point 
Paul, the club are keeping quiet on this for now, presumably. Is there, is there any internal feeling about whether this is this is embarrassing, if nothing else, or, or if they're a bit more concerned than that? I have spoke to them and, you know, that is the, the statement they're giving. And they're, they're certainly engaged and they're interested and they're thinking about this and talking about it. And, you know, things are moving quite quickly. So who knows? I think it'll probably depend on whether, you know, fan reaction and that sort of thing. I, I don't know the terms of the contract. You know, this stuff isn't made publicly available, what, you know, how much money it was, what the terms are. It's not that easy to change things halfway through the season, but, you know, it's happened before. Um, so, yeah, this this could, this could all change. I mean, it doesn't look great when you've got players running around a pitch with a company that have left people losing their life savings. So, Just In a sort of slightly broader perspective, I suppose, do you think that this sort of thing will um, dissuade clubs like Forest from um, becoming partners with companies like Football Index in the future. I mean, the the, 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 gam, the betting company thing is, a, I suppose, a slightly different question, but this is, you know, certainly sold as something slightly different to um, just a, a betting company. So, I mean, yeah. this sort of, this, this whole um, business may dissuade clubs from, um, you know, partnering with clubs, with uh, companies like that in the future. Yeah, there's certainly this big argument around, you know, I did actually a story a few weeks ago about the gambling sponsors in the Premier League and some of them are just no one knows anything about them you know they're, they're, they're advertising to Chinese gambling gambling's illegal in China so they put Chinese characters on the front of the shirt and then when people run around on TV someone in China looks it up but they're based in the Philippines and it's all just bafflingly obscure and you know some of these companies you know we don't know whether there are links to money laundering criminal activity because offshore gambling companies often are you know there's no evidence that that's true for any of these companies but there's very little we do know. In the Championship, it's quite different. It's usually um, because there's less um, foreign TV interest. It's generally companies which target UK um, consumers. Often these companies are offshore and we uh, quite opaque financially, but they're generally targeting Brits. And that's true of um, Football Index. But yeah, you know, as you said, there is a big difference between a conventional, you know, putting 10 quid on Forest to win at the weekend. You know, we all understand what that means. You can disagree whether it should be on a football shirt or not. But this is a significantly more complex business model, and uh, not just complex, but people. It was marketed. It, it was sold repeatedly as an investment, not as a gambling product, which means that people put huge sums of money in. You know, people who would never dream of putting thirty grand on an accumulator or something put thirty grand into football index because it was marketed as investment. And um, final question, Paul. I want to put this one one to you. It, it comes from Andrew via Twitter. He says, "Should we ditch football index right away, or do our scary financial numbers mean that we literally cannot afford to have morals?" That's a really tough question. I mean, the, the simple answer might be that you know maybe football index have already paid uh, to have the shirt sponsorship for the season. We don't know the terms of the deal. We don't know when the money was coming, whether it was paid in installments through the season or whether it was a lump sum paid last summer. So if they've already paid for the sponsorship, then I guess they could argue that whatever the circumstances, they should have their their name on the front of the shirt for the rest of the season. Uh, I know they're having discussions with with the company uh, to discuss the way forward. And, you know, maybe there will be some kind of negotiation about ending the deal early. I don't honestly know. I do feel a little bit for Forrest because... I think as Joey might even have put in his piece, uh, his very good piece that he wrote about it, that right at the beginning, they they gave themselves huge amounts of credibility. You know, they backed a couple of football clubs. They paid for huge amounts of television and internet advertising. It, it felt like this was something solid and reliable and ambitious. And it, it was launched with a huge fanfare. And I know that with hindsight, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it did feel like this was something tangible and, and it, it didn't feel like there's a lot of doubt there. It felt like a good idea. When you, when you read what they're 
what their premise was and how it would work, it, I looked at it and thought, oh, this sounds like a bit of fun. I might get involved myself. In the end, it was a bit too complex for my little brain, but uh, it, it felt like something that was fun and a little bit different. And I can understand why Forrest were keen or, or happy to, to get involved with them. What's happened since is a bit more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, and I think another really important point is this company was licensed and regulated by the UK Gambling Commission. So, you know, mm. it's not Nottingham Forest Football Club's job to pour through companies' accounts and yeah. check their business models. And, you know, that, that, that that's the... Well, not the, the Gambling Commission is an arm of the government, effectively. It's, it, it's their job to give them a stamp saying this is legit, and they, they did that. Mm. And then, you know, Nottingham Forest, QPR, um, looked at the website, which says we are regulated by the Gambling Commission. So yeah, I do. I do certainly have a bit of sympathy for football clubs who, who take money from these sponsors because it's not their job to do the complex due diligence on these things. Uh, Joey, thank you so much for joining us today. Would urge all athletic subscribers to go and read Joey's piece for the uh, the full, full story because it's a really complicated one. Uh, meantime, Joey, where can people follow you on Twitter if they want to keep abreast of this? Yeah, it's uh, Joseph M. Derso is my is my uh, handle. I've, I've received loads of really interesting. Uh, messages and I'm reading them all and trying to follow up so there should be a couple of really interesting follow-ups in the next week or so so please message me if you know anything particularly actually anything connected to football connected to Forest and this company I'd love to hear uh, confidential tips would be great brilliant Joey thanks so much for your time today thanks a lot cheers question from Sam on Twitter he says I've not bought a shirt in years because I can't stand the sponsor on the front if we lose football index what would be the dream replacement or non be and who is our last great slash bearable sponsors Paul I know it was slightly before your time but I think Shipstones is going to be your pick for, for the greatest forest sponsor of all time uh, yes yes it was <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not quite sure where to go with that now but yeah definitely <laughs> definitely Shippos uh yeah. Used to like a pint of shippos. They 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 they, they did relaunch it, and it's uh, it's, it's nice. Quite, it's all right. It doesn't taste quite the same. Maybe it's just my memory that's 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 addled from drinking too much other stuff <laughs> since. But uh, yeah, it's, it is quite nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Nick, if you were to pick an ideal forest shirt sponsor, who would it be? Um, I think uh, for aesthetic reasons, I think uh, home ales. There was just. Uh, I, I, it, partly because it was um, that's possibly my one of my favourite forest shirts. That kind of the thing with the the sort of subtle check and also the white piping on the um, on the sleeves, which was which was lovely. But you know, shipstones, of course. I think my favourite forest shirt of all time is the the white away um, number from about 1990 with the red shipstones on it. So that was that was absolutely lovely stuff. I've got that with six on the back for Roy Keane, but without shipstones because you can't sell a junior shirt with an alcohol company sponsoring on the front of it on a semi-serious point i have got the the current away shirt because i just love the blue and yellow mix and it was sort of in my thinking of oh, i don't really like buying football shirts a because i'm 38 years old nearly 39 but b, b when they've got gambling companies sponsoring them you do feel a bit weird about it and i did think well football index not really a gambling company so and that did factor into my decision making but what i should have done is just wait till now and bought one for 10 pounds off the club website uh, more for me uh, speaking of money and finances Forrest released their accounts for the 2019-20 financial year on Thursday it revealed an operating loss of 32 million pounds down from 34.3 the previous year uh, still not great though after interest profit on player sales and a historical loan write-off from the owner those losses were reduced to 15.9 million basically this is according to Kieran Maguire who's a football financial sage he pointed this out on Twitter that for every 100 pound Forrest generating revenue 
they spent 148 in wages. Uh, it's the 11th straight year that Forrest have paid out more money in wages than they've made. Paul, this is not this is not unusual for championship clubs, but it does highlight again just how reliant Forrest are on the input financially of Evangelos Marinakis. Yeah, there's uh, there's two ways to see it, really, isn't there? I mean, there's there's the the when you look back at the most recent summer and the recruitment that was made in the summer, the club were heavily criticised for that. Um, and it did feel a little bit haphazard. But at the same time, these when you look at these numbers and the kind of money that's been invested in the club, you you can't question the owner's ambition uh, because they are putting their money where their mouth is and they are financially committed to trying to make Forrest a success. You can't doubt that. You can't doubt that he's not putting his, his hand in his pocket to try and uh, turn around the fortunes of the club and be the man that finally leads them into the Premier League. Uh, all you can hope for is, is, is that... Uh, that ambition is balanced out with with a little bit of acumen as well in terms of what we saw, for example, in, in January when the the, the the recruitment was far, far better. They did a small amount of business, all of which felt like good business. And if they can repeat that in the summer, then then hopefully the, the club shouldn't be too far off being able to compete. Uh, they are in the fortunate position. I've gone off on a tangent here towards the size of the squad and stuff, but they are in a position in the summer where they've got five loan signings. Uh, they've got seven or eight, maybe more players are out of contract. And there is an opportunity there just to not clean the slate, but maybe do a bit of, you know, tidy the garden a little bit and and, and take out some of the weeds, if you like, uh, and and trim the wage bill and trim the squad and and, and perhaps get more of a core of players that, that Chris Hewton feels can, can, can build for next season. So, you know, it, the ambition's there, the money's there, the investment is there. It just needs a bit of minor tinkering in the, in the direction in which that investment is 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 used, and uh, hopefully Forest will be in a better position next season, and we won't go through what we've gone through again this season. The concern, I mean, the, the, the concern I'd have is that while Paul's right, the the, you, the the amount of money that they've put in and the um, support that they've given financially, you can't question their ambition in that respect. But it, it does make you think that signing all those players last summer was even more illogical, never mind what it did to the sort of balance of the squad and how the manager was going to knit the team together. Surely you would, anyone kind of sensible would look at the, the, the money they were already, already spending on wages and think, well, it's probably not a good idea to add even more to that. I know some players left and there would have been some taken off the wages, but that just makes me think even more what, uh, what a kind of illogical decision it was to sign so many players last summer. And then, you know, obviously with the, the these set of accounts don't really take into account, to take into um, consideration the sort of full impact of no match day or very limited match day revenue, the full impact of the pandemic. And you, you kind of shudder as to what next year's accounts are going to look like. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How often you see people who are incredibly successful businessmen or women kind of lose all their business acumen in terms of spending when it comes to owning a football club. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's add some levity to proceedings. It's time for this. Yes, it's Did They Really Play for Forest? This is where I hand over hosting duties to the great Nick Miller, who, um, yeah, this went well for me last week because I won, so uh, I'm psyched. Well, I've been bigged up there. <laughs> um, okay, did they really play for Forest? Just for any new listeners, um, this is a possibly famous player who had a forgettable spell with Nottingham Forest. Um, uh, to, I'm going to give you a sort of introductory clue here, This, which isn't part of the main five, but I think this is the, the of all the players that has been in this uh, long, now long-running and beloved quiz, um, <laughs> the one who's made the most appearances out of those. So just bear that in mind. Okay, uh, clue number one. I made my senior debut in 1982, and in my final season, I played alongside Stan Collymore. Hmm. Long-time servant of the club. Final season. Played alongside Stan Collymore, so that would be 93-94 to 95-96. Paul, have you got anything springing to mind? Colin Calderwood. No. I should, I should clarify. I'm giving you far too much help here, but I should clarify, Matt, that I didn't necessarily say that um, oh, played all the, yeah, okay, the yeah, appearances, yeah, yeah. appearances in those first clues were for Nottingham right, Forest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, clue number two. Uh, do, oh, sorry, Matt, do you want, do you want to have a yeah. guess? Okay. <laughs> Clue number two. I was once the most expensive player ever signed by an English club. Oof. Uh, okay, so not necessarily an English player, but the most expensive player ever signed by an English club. <sighs> Wasn't Stan Collymore, who... Mm. I'm going to guess Stan Collymore. <laughs> <laughs> We've all forgotten about yeah, him famously. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. It, it isn't Stan Collymore. No. Paul, come on, help me out. I know it's not right, but I'm going to say Neil Lennon. No, that's that's not that's not correct. Uh, clear number three. I scored in Liverpool's first game back in Europe after the post high school ban. Goodness me. Oh my goodness. I scored in Liverpool's first. This is really difficult this week. You can actually see my blank face as well as the silence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really adds something to, to, to be able to see your, your my torment. Your baffled. You're enjoying my torment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now I'm I'm totally drawing a blank here. What about you, Paul? Yeah. I'm... Oh, Steve Finnan. No, no, that's bollocks. He never played for Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really play for oh, Forest? No. no, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it did. He played for Notts County. Well, that doesn't count. Yeah, does it? that's your, it's your, it's your not side coming yeah. out there, Paul. Uh, clue number four. Um, this this will narrow it down. I have won a trophy in Turkey. Oh, okay, right. I've got it. 
Paul, do you want to have a guess before I give the answer? Kevin Campbell? <laughs> Sorry, Paul, then that, that is incorrect. What a flex that is from Matt there. I will let you... Guess wrong, you, you get it wrong and then... And then I'll, I'll, My face is probably I'll giving it away, to be fair. The look of blankness. <laughs> it's Dean Saunders, right? It is Dean Saunders, yes. That is correct. You mentioned that he'd made the most appearances of anybody in this elite group so far. Have you got his goals and games for Forrest? Was it, was it just the uh, one he season played... there he was there for? No, he was there in the... Um, uh, 96-97 when, relegation season? He was there in the 96-97 relegation season. He was also there playing very much kind of second, third fiddle to Van Hooydonk and Campbell in for at least part of the following promotion <coughs> season. I think he might have he might have left after that. But um, I think he played, uh, I think it was 57 games um, for Forest, which is more than I uh, kind of remembered. Um, but... Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Forty, sorry, forty-three games, five goals. So, not not a roaring success. Yeah, Dean Saunders this week <laughs> did they really play for Forest? <laughs> That'll just about do it for us this week. Paul, what have you got uh, in the pipeline for Athletic subscribers to look forward to? Having been sidelined with illness for the last few days, the, the things I'm working on are pretty much the same as before. I'm still I'm still trying to pin down the the ripped jean, uh, fluorescent trainered former Polish legend of, of, of yesteryear uh, for a for a piece on uh, on his time at Forest. We, we've got a piece that I've been working on for a while on on the uh, resurgence of Cyrus Christie. Uh, so no doubt he'll have an absolute stinker on Saturday and I won't <laughs> be able to use that for another week. Uh, but yeah, uh, a few things bubbling along. Uh, hopefully um, we'll be uh, writing about a, uh, a Forest win on, on Saturday and the doom and gloom that seems to have crept back in can be... Uh, Put to one side for a little while at least. That'd be nice. How about you, Nick? What have you got going on? Uh, the much-trailed uh, James Coppinger interview went out uh, at the weekend, or last weekend, so that's available for all Athletic subscribers and sort of relevant to Forrest's upcoming opponents. I also wrote a profile of uh, Reading left-back Omar Richards, who is um, slightly implausibly moving to Bayern Munich in the summer. Um, so if you want to find out what Forrest's right-hand side is going to be up against then uh, the profile of Omar Richards is available to read on The Athletic now. Good stuff. Theathletic.com slash ForestPod is the place to go to sign up if you haven't already. I would also point Forest supporters in the direction of an excellent piece Stuart James has written for The Athletic. It's an interview with Michael Doughty, son of the former Forest owner Nigel, of course, and his decision to give up football at the age of 27. Really interesting stuff, that. Paul, some people will be hearing this before... The big Friday night, uh, the big Friday night date that you've got with athletic subscribers who are Forest supporters. Tell us more. Uh, yes, tomorrow night, myself, Daniel Taylor, uh, and two special guests uh, from the uh, world of Nottingham Forest will be uh, hosting the uh, athletic Nottingham Forest quiz. There's there's, there's four rounds of questions. Uh, we're going to find out who knows the most about Nottingham Forest on some very perverse subjects. Uh, I won't give you any more clues than that, but some of the questions will catch you by surprise, I think. Uh, Danny's done some of them, I've done some of them, and we've got uh, one former Forest player who scored a very notable goal indeed. He's going to be a guest helping us out with some questions, and there's going to be something of a cult hero coming to talk to us at half-time as well. So all in all, in the name of uh, a very good charity, I think it's raising money uh, for prostate cancer. So yeah, uh, come and get involved. If, you, if you've not signed up already, come and have a, a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun with us tomorrow night from... Or, or tonight, if you're listening on Friday, uh, from 7.30 onwards. 
yep, check out the Athletic and Paul's Twitter page for all the details on that. We can only hope and assume that he is a better quiz host than he is contestant. <laughs> yes, I hope so too. <laughs> Many thanks to Paul, to Nick and to producer AD. Mainly to you though, listener. What say we do it all again next week? Catch you then. Bye for now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.